0: Yes. Wow, look at you. You're jumping right in there, Chuckster. Yes, you you heard the theme song and you were all over it. It's the Steam Room, one of the most popular podcasts in the history of... The world. The world. And uh, I'm Ernie Johnson along with Charles Barkley. Uh, great to be with you again this week, Chuckster. And this is going to be a huge show because... Uh, oh. we're, in the big, we're in the big leagues when you have Dr. Anthony Fauci on your show, and that's coming on uh, a short time from now. We always begin the steam room with Chuck's favorite phrase.
1: First of all. First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. Okay, now, the Washington Post headline. NFL coach Marty Schottenhammer's Whose teams wilted in the postseason dies at seventy-seven. Nice headline. Nice headline for a man who was a terrific coach, and from what I know, everybody said was a great person. NFL coach whose teams wilted in the playoff dies at seventy-seven. Come on, Washington Post, y'all got to be better than that. And it doesn't matter if you erased it. The world saw it, man. When people die, no matter what you think of them, man, you get.
0: come on, man, just do better. I'm with you. That's how you want to serve uh, the memory of someone who has passed away is let's bring that up right away. Come on, man, that, that's not cool. So
1: I'm on, uh, I just watch them post do better. And now, I'm sorry, America. I did something dumb this weekend.
0: I bet against Tom Brady. Did you really? I did. I kn- hey, look, I know you were kind of going back and forth, and it was.
1: Ernie, I did not make up my mind until the last minute. And I ju- I'm like, Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes. Shout out to Tom Brady, not just the greatest quarterback ever. I think he's the greatest football player ever. Nothing but respect and admiration. Uh, what he did this year. And like I say, I'm not happy with all these people taking shots at my friend, Bill Belichick. He's my friend, so I'm a little sensitive. But Bill's the greatest coach ever, and Tom's the greatest football player ever. And one, they go together. Uh, But I got to acknowledge Tom Brady for what he accomplished. And man, talk about goats. He is the unquestioned goat. And I just got to give him the love and respect he deserves. And Pat Mahomes, yo, man, you earned my respect. I thought they were going to kill you. <laughs> Listen, you, you, you've had tremendous success. Nobody can question your heart. Nobody. You played on what, nine toes. I hope the surgery went well. But, man, for you to stand in there and take that beating you took, I got nothing but respect for you, man. So I know people taking shots at you now. But listen, man, you had a great year. You've had a great career so far. But, man, you earned my respect more in defeat than you did when you were winning. To Take that beating you took. On that one play where three guys hit him at the same time, and he was bent like a pretzel. You know, and I'm screaming at the TV, get him out the game. Because uh, he got hit again later by Endama uh really hard. I said, get him out the game. The game is over. But I respect him and admire him for sticking there. So shout out to Pat Mahomes, man. But that was a tough day in Vegas for you. It was a tough day in Vegas, brother. And last, I want to give out to a good friend of mine, Bruce Arians. Man, uh, I sent you a text and told you how proud I was of you. I'm glad you won the Super Bowl. It was amazing. But also, I just want to thank you for being at the forefront of hiring minorities. Your defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, who had a magnificent, magnificent game plan. Uh, he deserves kudos. Uh, Byron Leftwood, your offensive coordinator, deserved kudos. Uh, it's amazing. I don't want to leave out Eric enemy, uh, who's been great for Kansas City, who deserves a head coaching job. I just want to tell those guys, man, you guys, man, I'm so happy for you. But Bruce, man, you got two women on your staff, but you got three uh, brothers that are amazing. I think you're special team's coordinator, I think his name is something, Cunningham, I I apologize if I get his name wrong, but I want to give a special shout out to Coach Aaron for hiring two women and having basically an all-black coaching staff, because Todd Bold and Byron Lefters, man, they were fantastic, and uh, kudos to Coach Arians. And then, I hate to start the show like this again, but unfortunately we lost another great man, Pedro Gomez, uh, one of my neighbors in Arizona, we lost him last week unexpectedly, and Man, it broke my heart uh, when I got that news. I've got to know Pedro the last few years. And like I say, he's in Arizona, so he's a neighbor. And you talk about a great person.
0: Man, it it just broke my heart. Man, he knew his baseball, too, Chuckster. And I would would see him at, at the ballparks while I was doing baseball, and you just knew when you, you walk around the batting cage and he's standing there and there's always a smile on his face. There was always. always this feeling from him like, man, I love this game and they're paying me to watch BP and talk to these guys and, and his information was always great and the respect he had of players around baseball was unbelievable. You know what a good dude he was?
1: He called me the day after the Kevin Durant interview Really? And he was just like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, everything's fine, Pedro. He says, yeah, you know, I felt bad for you last night. I was a Pedro. I don't feel bad for me. If a guy wants to be a prick to me on TV, he has that right, because I criticized him (laughs) a different time. But that just was a good dude he was. He called to check on me. And I just want to give my best to his family. Man, we lost a great one. So rest in peace, Pedro Gomez. Man, please do.
0: Amen to that. Uh, hey, look, I know first of all is your thing, but can I throw a first of all at you and just, and just get your opinion on something? Of course you can, brother. How about this national anthem situation with the Dallas Mavericks? Well, I think that my boy Cuban made a mistake. If
1: he don't say that, I don't think people would notice they hadn't played the anthem. I, I didn't know
0: they hadn't played the anthem all year. Apparently, very few people did. Nobody noticed it. I mean, it took that long for the story to come out. But once he said
1: something, uh, he had to know all hell was going to break loose. Unfortunately, in this country, man, everything has become political. People can't think for themselves. It's like, it's either you got to be A or B. It's like, no, let's just talk about it. And I, Mark is a really good friend of mine. But if he hadn't said anything, nobody even knew they weren't playing the anthem. I mean... I hadn't heard about it all year until he said something, and the first thing, and Ernie, to answer your question, the first thing I said to myself was, oh, hell no, <laughs> because I know how the public, a certain faction of the public is going to react.
0: Do you think it should be continue to be played before sporting events?
1: Well, see, this is the problem, Ernie. Depending on what people want to protest, I mean, like, there's always something to protest, so, I think it depends on what you want to protest. Do I think it should still
0: be played? Yes, I do, and I
1: think people should still be able
0: to protest. I got you. I have a feeling we'll be talking about the, that story for a while to come. It's you know it's been interesting. You know, like you know, Stan Van Gundy's been pretty outspoken about it, saying, "Look, well, I don't know why we have to do it because you don't play it when you go to work. You don't play it when you're at the movies. You don't play it here. You don't play it there. Well, why do you need it?" But you know what I always think about Chuckster? I think back to 2003 and that moment when Mo Cheeks helped Natalie Gilbert, helps her through the anthem during, on that night of a playoff game. And I just thought if, if there's not a better snapshot of the anthem and what it was capable of doing when a black man puts his arm around a uh, a little white teenage girl who's scared out of her brain at that yeah. point because she forgot the words and helps her through the rest. That was a, that's Mo cheeks too. That was a picture. That was a snapshot. That was like you know what, this is our anthem, and this is this is me helping you, and I'll never forget that.
1: Yeah, I, that that was a that was typical Maurice cheeks. Uh, oh, one-eye oh, one Maurice cheeks. Yeah,
0: never saw you.
1: Never saw me. Only Dr. J and that one good eye.
0: (laughs) Hey, we're going to take a break here on the Steam Room. But when we come back. Oh,
1: man, I am pumped right now. I am pumped, man.
0: This is big, Ernie. It's a huge step for the Steam Room. I'll tell you that right now. What a get by Michael Kaplan, our producer. Dr. Anthony Fauci joins us next on the Steam Room. Don't y'all go anywhere. We welcome you back to the Steam Room, everybody. Ernie Johnson, along with Charles Barkley and Ernie, Ernie. Chuckster, we've hit the big time, man. This is this is major
1: league. Listen, I normally when we get somebody like this, I say special, special. This is special, special, special guests.
0: Yeah, it's not often you get the Captain of the Regis High School basketball team from 1957 <laughs> on your show. But we do have Dr. Anthony Fauci with us today, and we cannot thank you enough for making the time uh to join us. I know that uh Man, this is. Uh, these days have been so busy. I mean, has, has a day gone by in the last year when you have not done an interview of some type and, and talked to folks about
2: the pandemic? You know, I don't think so, Ernie. I, I think you're right. I cannot remember a time, I would think, starting from end of January, beginning of February of 2020. It's just been really constant because of the understandable, intense interest In this historic evolving pandemic. Yeah, you know what? I I I
0: go back to a number because we were on the air back March eleventh, March 12th, when you know when the NBA season was paused. And we did a show that night and we had Adam Silver on, and there had been 40 deaths in the United States on that date. Obviously, you know much more about this and what it was capable of doing, but did you see the numbers? Uh, the, the possibility of the numbers we've seen now almost a year later?
2: You know, even though you always keep in your back of your mind, the worst case scenario, which is what we're actually experiencing now, I have to be honest with you. And that even with all of my experience in emerging outbreaks, I really didn't conceive that a year down the pipe that we would have 460,000 deaths. That's the worst case scenario. You know, people would always ask me, years ago, what's your worst nightmare uh, in infectious disease? And I would always say a brand new virus that's respiratory born, that jumps species from an animal to a human, that has the capability of spreading extremely efficiently from human to human, and that has also the capability of causing serious disease and death. And all of a sudden, we're living my worst nightmare, which is actually what's going on right now, unfortunately. You know, you look at these
1: super-spreader events. We had Thanksgiving, we had Christmas, we just had the Super Bowl this week. What is your dire warning like? Can you please tell people stop getting together? I know we have this thing where you always want to get together for Thanksgiving, you always want to get together for Christmas, and obviously big year is a big deal to have Super Bowl parties. What would you please tell people to stop congregating together?
2: You know, Charles, we, we, we try that, and it's very interesting that you get to a certain group of people who understand the seriousness of the situation, but is often very difficult to get people to not do something that for years and decades of their lives have been something they do so naturally. You know, the social event of sitting down with a bunch of friends and having a few beers, going to a game, that's something that's so natural that you've got to get people to appreciate how terribly dangerous that is. Unfortunately, what's happened over the past year is that we've had a public health crisis in the middle of a country that's been very divisive, where people let public health measures be dictated almost by your own political ideology, so that wearing a mask becomes a political statement as opposed to a public health situation. That's unfortunately what's happened in this country, which is made matters worse where we don't uniformly understand and perceive how dangerous this particular outbreak is because the data have proven us right. We've lost 460,000 people already.
0: Just speaking from where I live, okay, Dr. Fauci, it's like there are times where you get a little encouraged and you see maybe some trends that are going the right way. And then you hear, okay, there's this strain and there's this strain and there's this strain, um, how do you handle that? And, and what's your best advice right now for folks who might think, hey, maybe we have turned a corner, uh, that kind of thing?
2: Well, what you just said, Ernie, is that we might have turned a corner, but there are challenges ahead. If you look at the number of new infections per day, Uh, over the last couple of days is the first time in a long time that it's gone down below 100,000 new cases a day. It's been as high as 300,000 to 400,000. So the direction of new cases is going correct. We have vaccines that are rolling out. We'd like to get them rolled out more robustly than they are. But in the next couple of months, March and April, there are going to be a lot more vaccines available. Right now, The demand is much greater than the supply, but the thing we need to do for sure is not become complacent because the virus itself can mutate as it has, and there can be different variants that might be able to elude the effect of the vaccine. So we should be be thankful, I believe, that we're going in the right direction now, but we've got to continue to take it very seriously, get as many people vaccinated as we possibly can, and continue to abide by the public health measures of universal mask wearing, physical distancing, avoiding congregate settings, and things like that, which gets back to what Charles just asked, is that still we're congregating at holiday events, at dinners, and even situations like Super Bowl parties. Nobody wants to turn off a Super Bowl party, but you really gotta balance that against the risk of a super spreader event. Let me answer this question, and this
1: is like, and I don't know the right or wrong answer. Can you catch COVID more than one time?
2: You know, if you get a variant, Charles, and, and, and a mutation, you can. We know from South Africa that people who were infected with the original virus and recovered, when the virus mutated to be somewhat different than the original virus, people were getting reinfected. And the fact that they had been previously infected seemed not to provide any protection of them. So that's the reason why when we get a vaccine, we wanna make sure a vaccine covers all of the different variants of the virus. So if you get the vaccine, you cannot get COVID. 94 to 95% efficacious if the vaccine matches this particular strain that's circulating. Right now, that's actually what's going on in the United States. The vaccine that we're using right now is highly protective against the virus that's circulating in the United States. So uh, this this is an
1: interesting question because me and Ernie lost a coworker to COVID in the last couple of weeks. I lost one of my high school teammates to COVID uh, right before Christmas. Why is it? I mean, and I don't even know if you know the answer, but why is it some people just sick for a couple of days? Uh, my future son-in-law got it, my daughter didn't get it, and he he was only sick for a couple of days. Why is there such a, a great variety of some people are gone in ten days, and some people just have the
2: flu, basically? Yeah, Charles, we have to be humble. We don't know the answer to that. I mean, we could wave our hands and start to guess. One thing we do know is that people who are elderly and people who have underlying conditions like hypertension, diabetes, obesity, chronic lung disease, they have a much greater likelihood of getting really seriously ill, as opposed to, as you mentioned, just a couple of days feeling down with some aches and a sore throat. But when you have two normal people, two 30-year-old young people who look in, exactly the same in the sense of their physical health, you may get one who spends a day or two not feeling well, and the other one winds up in the hospital in the ICU. We don't know why that happens, Charles.
0: My question was just about the, the rollout of the vaccine, and has it gotten better? Uh, how much better could it be? What is holding back You know, the number of folks out there who say, I still can't get it, even though they're in the, the range, maybe age range or underlying condition range, and they still haven't been able to get it?
2: Well, Ernie, there is some instances when because of the logistics of getting vaccine into people's arms, that there's vaccine available, but it's inefficient in getting it into people's arms. That's the overwhelming minority. The overwhelming majority is that is a supply-demand discrepancy. The demand far, far outreaches the supply. And that's just a matter of the contractual arrangements to get the virus scale, excuse me, the vaccine scaled up. As we get into March and April and May, there will be many, many more doses of vaccine available, and things will really get much,
1: much better. Because in the beginning, I mean, whether it's true or not, they said it was really only affecting elderly people and then people who were young and younger than me started relaxing because in the beginning they were talking about mainly it was killing older people. Did we make a mistake taking it for granted Wait, going back to last
2: year? You know, Charles, I don't know if you want to call it a mistake, but it was an evolving knowledge where as the weeks went by, we learned things that made this virus really different than any other virus that we encountered. For example, One of the really important things that we didn't realize early on was that anywhere from one third to 40 to 45 percent of the people who get infected have no idea that they have disease. They get no symptoms. Mm -hmm. Then the thing that was really the cruncher was that we found out that more than 50 percent of the infections are transmitted from someone who's infected but has no symptoms at all. So the usual paradigm of thinking somebody sneezes on you and coughs on you, that's how you get infected. That wasn't the case. People who innocently and had no idea that they're infected, just by speaking, breathing, and talking to you could transmit it. That was the thing that we did not know in the beginning, in addition to thinking, as you said, that only elderly people got in trouble. And we found out soon enough that wasn't the case.
1: So let me ask this question. So Ernie's wife had COVID and he didn't get it. My daughter's fiance got it and she didn't get it. How can two people who sleep together uh, not get this disease?
2: You know, a good question. You can make an intelligent estimate and guess of why that's the case. First of all, the virus has to bind to a receptor on your cells, which are in the upper respiratory tract and the lower respiratory tract, it may be that your son-in-law's receptors are very, very, very much expressed and the virus easily entered into him, whereas your daughter's receptor for the virus may be not as well expressed. So therefore, she didn't get infected. Or she may have some underlying cross-reactive immunity that your son-in-law doesn't have. There may be five or six reasons why, but we see that all the time.
0: How much dialogue is there, Dr. Fauci, between you and sports leagues, and specifically the NBA? I mean, we're looking at a at a a March All Star game, possibly bringing a bunch of players in, you know, in a short over a short time. Is that a good idea?
2: You know. Ernie, I I have a lot of dialogue with, you know, essentially all of the major league sports, Major League Baseball, NBA, National Football League, National Hockey League, soccer. They all want to find out um, what are the public health facts. So it's very difficult to make a recommendation to an organization that you should or should not have an all-star game or you should or should not delay the season or what have you. You can only talk about what public health facts are, and then the league and association with the Players Association makes the decision. But the answer to your question is, I do interact a fair amount because they do what you do. They call me up and say, we need some help. We need to get the solid scientific data so that we can make up our minds. We know this is a respiratory virus. Yes.
1: Are you concerned, because I'm concerned, we're trying to play sports. We don't know how what, what's gonna happen to these guys' bodies in 20, 30
2: years. Is that a concern of yours? It is because when you have a new disease, Charles, that you don't have all of the information in real time of things that might be long-term effects, particularly people who get significantly ill. Fortunately, the overwhelming majority Of NBA players are strong, young, healthy people who, even if they do get infected, unlikely are going to get seriously ill. Every once in a while, you're going to see one of your colleagues, one of your teammates, one of your players that does get really ill. We don't know what the long range effects on that are. So, even though statistically, when you're a strong, healthy athlete, the chances of your getting into any trouble immediately or later on. Are very very low. They're not zero. That's the point.
0: Dr. Fauci, double masking has been discussed here in the last couple of days. Is, is that a suggestion or is that in your mind a, a must do?
2: It's not a must do, Ernie. What has happened, and and I'm glad that the CDC came out with their most recent uh, discussion. What people were saying is, if one mask works, is it better to do two because it's a physical barrier? You know, I mean that's a logical question to ask. So what the CDC is saying, a most of all, first and foremost, wear a mask, a single mask, usually a double ply mask. If you want to make sure you get a really good fit and get a double chance of protection, we're urging you to consider the possibility of two masks. Not that it's an absolute must. And here's an example, Annie. So if you take one mask, and you put it on, what happens is that there is looseness underneath here and here. And what the CDC is saying, when you put a mask on over it, it essentially seals it so that the aerosol can't get in here and can't get in there. So they're not saying you must do it. What they're saying, you might want to consider that, A, to be more comfortable, and to B, to get a better fit.
1: You know, you heard it goes through your mouth
2: through your nose, through your eyes. What's the truth about that? That is true. Any mucosal surface, Charles, will allow the virus to bind to receptors. And ultimately, it's either going to stay here, which would be good news, which means you may lose your sense of smell and taste. You may get a sore throat. You may get a little cough. It's when it goes into the lung that you get into serious trouble. Some people, the virus, never gets to the lung. It stays in the upper airway. And those are the ones that get minimal symptoms for a few days. And then things are all right. It's when it goes down to the lung that you get into trouble. There's a rumor
1: that certain types of blood types uh, work against it even better. Is that just a myth?
2: or Is that true? No, that's true. I mean, it's a small difference. But if people have A versus O, they more likely will get disease than people who have O, group O. But it's a very small difference, Charles. It's it's not protective.
0: Let me uh, let let us end because we respect very much the time that you uh, that you have during the day, and there probably isn't enough time in the day. Yes, thank you very much. I know
1: you're a busy person. You got nothing for us. It's a waste a few minutes with us two doofuses.
0: Yeah, and well, <laughs> here's my here's my last doofus question. So tell me tell me about your basketball career, Doctor Fauci. Let's end on a light note.
2: Well, it was an era of different kind of basketball. I'm a five-seven point guard. I was very fast, had a good shot. We had a fast break team, so speed really counted. And my lack of height was not something that was in the way. So I was a pretty good, I was a pretty good high school basketball player. But then when I decided I might want to play basketball in college, I found out a truism of basketball that you guys would know that a 5'7", really fast, good shooting point guard will always get destroyed by a very fast, good shooting, 6'4", point guard.
1: (laughs) Well, Doc, I just want to say this. I don't know a lot about your basketball skills, but you made a great decision to be one of the best doctors in the world. And thank you for taking the time.
0: Thank you, Charles. Yeah. Thank you, Ernie. Good to be with you. Thanks for being such a great voice and such a a comfort uh, to so many people through the last year. Uh, Really appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And Charles, we didn't even have to tell the doctor the the ground rules for being on the steam room. He said, when you come on the steam room, just keep your towel on. Keep your towel (laughs) on. So we appreciate that very much. Have a great day.
2: Thanks an awful lot, guys. Good to be with you. Our pleasure.
0: Thank you, Doc. Tremendous. That was awesome, Ernie. We're lucky, man. We are lucky. Welcome back to the Steam Room, where uh, I, we're just kind of basking in the glow of having had Dr. Anthony Fauci on our podcast. You know, as we say, we hey, we went from sugar to shit. You're going to go that direction <laughs> as we welcome the legendary yeah. longtime producer of Inside the NBA, <laughs> Tim Kiley. Tk, I apologize for that. that. That was not the intro. Hey, legendary. Well, I, I know how to shoot a big gun, and you guys are the big guns. It's <laughs> not the intro I would have come up
1: with. You know, I love you like an older brother, a much older much brother. Older. I know, I got it. So I know Chuck, it was a bad weekend for you in Vegas. You're usually on the money on the Super Bowl, but I don't know if you saw the, some of the clips from Tom Brady's celebration down in Tampa. Oh yeah. That it was avocado tequila. <laughs>
0: Is that for real?
1: I love it. I love it. But let me tell you something. If you did what he just did, you shouldn't be feeling no pain. What would Championship Chuck do if he was in the same boat? Would you be tossing the Larry O'Brien trophy across a boat? No, I'd be uh, – listen, I'm going to need more than one or two people <laughs> to carry me out like that. <laughs> Tom Brady's is light. Uh, you're going to need – hey, I'm going to need you, Ernie, Cap, Fiorello, my, the, the underdog Ben—I need a lot of people to carry me out. There. If I, if I ever won the championship, I had a lot of hey, early, I had a lot of fun and did win the championship. <laughs> well,
2: um, but for this last one, Chuck, I know it's all ho hum for you when you're big on New York and Saturday Night Live, but
0: somebody else is pretty big up there too.
1: Blessings and welcome to lifting our voices which follows BET's most popular Sunday program, Church. I'm Dr. Jeremiah Thibodeau. It's Black History Month, and today, we spotlight one group that is often overlooked, white people. White allies have been part of the Black American struggle for centuries, like author of Uncle Tom's Cabin, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and TNT's Ernie Johnson.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Man, you know what? Saturday night, I was watching USC play UCLA, uh, watching college hoops. And then, you know, USC was building their lead, and I was like, okay. And I, and I looked at the clock and I said, okay, let me turn on and see if Saturday Night Live is live this week. And I turned it on like at 20, of, 20 to 12, and then like 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, you know, I'm still working on some stuff, and, and I hear Keenan, and he's like, Ernie Johnson, and no, huh, what? And I'm rewinding that thing and looking at it. It's a, that gives you a jolt, man. When you're not expecting it, and all of a sudden on Saturday Night Live you hear your name called out, it was pretty cool. When you get on Saturday Night Live, man, and first of all, they've been
1: great to us, Keenan and the guys and Jay Farrell. They, they've been great to us, man. So shout out to those guys. Hey, Ernie, uh, that kid at uh, USC Mobley, he might be the best player in the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he might be the best. I, I tell people, I've been getting ready for March Good. Madness. I say, yo, man, this kid at USC Mobley, he might be the best player in the country. Any relation to Katino? No. Shout out to Catino Mobley, one of my favorite teammates.
0: How about Cat saying, oh, well, all of a sudden I, I got on the steam room. He probably feels the same way I felt when I was watching Saturday Night Live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> Chuck, you have to try avocado tequila like Tom Brady. So. No, I don't. No, I don't. I won't. you ever had te- an avocado? Never. I don't like avocado. They're just a bowl of
0: mush. That guacamole is, but avocado, you can slice avocado, put it on a sandwich. It's the same mush, Ernie. No, it's not. It's not like guacamole. You mean you make guacamole out of avocado, but when you just, when you just slice that like a, like a piece of avocado toast, has a little cheese, has a little avocado on there. Ooh, no, no. I can't, I can't see you trying that at all. You definitely can't see me trying that. You don't know what you're missing. No, no. Hi, right, Chuck. See you next week. Do a little bit
1: better on your bets. No, football season's over, brother. You'll find something. though. you'll be there's, there's got to be a
0: cockroach race or something <laughs> to bet on. You know? That's for sure. Hi, right, brother. Thanks, legend. <laughs>
2: Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on
0: in steam room. We welcome you back to the steam room. Thank you so much, all you loyal steamers, for hanging out with us today. It's been just a wonderful show with uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, giving us the latest on, uh, on COVID. Oh, that was amazing. How many interviews has that man done over the last year? I mean, and his, he has a full day, and I'm glad he gave us 20 minutes of his time. That was awesome. Oh, that was unbelievable. But how about that? Dr. Fauci played basketball. That is hilarious. Captain of the team at Regis 5'7". Yeah. (laughs) Here we have a continuation as we wrap up the show, the way we always do with uh, Chuck's answering machine. But again, a continuation from last week when you were asking about uh, songs that you could dance to your daughter with at her wedding. Yes. And her wedding is fast approaching. Three weeks. Three weeks. And so... We had a record number of calls to Chuck's answering machine. And Cap, our producer, has compiled like a 90 seconds worth of uh, ideas, suggestions from, uh, from Loyal Steamers. So if you're ready, Chuck. Yes, sir. Uh, get ready to listen to these. Take some notes. Here we go.
1: You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey,
2: Chuck and Ernie. Happy New Year. Loyal Steamer Kathy in Hong Kong here. Congratulations, Chuck, on your daughter's upcoming nuptials. My song suggestion for your father-daughter dance is What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. The line, I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Always reminds me of my dad. Hey, Chuck, Ernie, this is Alice Straker in the Philippines. This I promise you, and think. That's my favorite. Oh, Chuck, say hi to Shaq for me. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, of Shaq.
0: Old school throwback song, Motown song by The Temptations called My Girl. I'm talking about my girl, Well in this case, your daughter.
1: You and Me Against the World by Helen Reddy would be a perfect song
2: for you and your daughter. And also, while I'm here, can I get a date? I love you, and you need a real woman.
1: Just want to let you know, Chuck, it is an amazing thing to have a girl, and this is a moment I've also thought about myself. The number one song that I always want to dance with my daughter or two is So Amazing by Luther Vandross. Please give it a listen, and it's pretty good. Also, Ernie, Wheat Bread Toast, helmets, Two Slices of Tomatoes, salt, pepper, and Morton seasoning salt, life changer. My name is Larry, I'm from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, yes, Charles, there are a lot of black people in Oklahoma. We're all around, brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a wide ranging call.
1: That was, I liked the so amazing
0: thing. And I liked the My Girl too. So our producer Michael Kaplan has assembled a few clips of songs that were recommended uh, multiple times on Chuck's answering machine, uh, starting with this one from Stevie Wonder. Wow. That's a really good one, Chuckster.
1: That's a, uh,
0: that is, that is, man. Uh, Stevie Wonder, one of my all-time favorites. Talking about the joy of having a baby daughter and and man, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty special. We got some more, Stevie. Wow. How about you, Chuckster? What do you think?
1: Wow that's that's those two songs are amazing I did go oof
0: and I know what a big uh Frank Sinatra fan you are
1: There is nothing
0: for me. oh yeah they call me old brown eyes don't forget that well
1: can't beat that brother <laughs> I mean you know I'm sorry because it's her special night and uh, she's gonna look amazing I saw the dress and I'm I'm just happy for her so man those three those some
0: good ones there. Are you familiar with Heartland? No, they've got this.
2: I that she'd find you
0: Man, truckster, are you getting a little misty her over her there on that end? I am getting misty, thinking about these songs and that moment. Oh yeah, my! I will
1: admit, I'm getting a little misty over here. <laughs> the sunshine of my life, and it's Heartland, and my uh, isn't she lovely? Yeah. I mean, it's, a it's, man, some great songs out there for daddy, daughters. You don't even think about these songs until, you know, she's getting married. Hey, you're going to cry at your daughter's wedding? You know, I'd want to act like I'm a tough old dude, but as it get closer, I'm getting more emotional. So I think that I'm going to lose to bet. All my boys bet that I was going to cry, and I was going to be a tough guy and not cry. But just even listening to these songs today makes me emotional. I'm not going to lie.
0: You might get emotional again here because we do have a surprise for you. Spin it. Chuck, Chuck, it's your boy Johnny Gill. Check this out. Got two suggestions. Um, I got this song that's a no-brainer that you should definitely think about using. It's called Can You Stand the Rain? No-brainer, no-brainer. And then there's another joint by Stevie Wonder called AS, not A-S-S, but AS. AS, the most powerful, the most beautiful song ever written by Stevie wonder. Uh, so you got two and guess what? Both of them would be really good for your minders, light on your toes. Those are my two choices. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Johnny Gill. What a good dude, man. I love Johnny Gill. You know, Ernie,
0: it's a lot of good stuff out there, man. Without question, man. And what I really enjoy is the fact that so many of our loyal steamers have, uh, have jumped on board with that man. And
1: I really appreciate them. I really thank them for when Cap said we set a record. I mean, it's
0: really awesome, man. And I really appreciate them taking the time, but they gave me a lot of stuff to choose from. Without question. Good luck in your, uh, in your decision-making. Maybe your audio video guy for the wedding could maybe do a, uh, maybe a, a little compilation of a few of those and, kind of morph from one to another to another might be pretty nice. Yeah, hey, I tell you what, it put, if I put these on a loop, mm-hmm.
1: they might be fun just to have around the house. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. good idea. This would be good stuff to listen to when you're on the treadmill.
0: Yes. You ought to try that one day. Anyway, that <laughs> is that is this week's edition of the Steam Room.
1: Ernie, I'm not just saying this. I mean, necessarily number one, thanks for all the people. This might have been my favorite
0: Steam Room episode today. I'm not going to lie. There's a good one. When you have Dr. Fauci on talking about something that everybody's talking about, and then we go down to all the... Uh, the loyal steamers who are listening and and want your daughter's wedding weekend to be so special that's uh that's very cool so uh we appreciate it and remember folks 404-987-0330 404-987-0330 uh that's the number to chuck's answering machine and it never runs out of recording space so give us a call and you might find yourself on the steam room Chuck, is there anything to say before we head out for the weekend Oh, man, the the steamers
1: made my day, man, Uh, for for them to come with some amazing songs. Uh, Thanks for taking the time, man. I will see you tonight, Ernest. I'll see you on
0: TV, Chuckster.
1: Yes, sir. See y'all.